Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's episode? That we are in contact with over 700,000 toxins every day. And Dr. O'Brien had some great and simple hacks to help to reduce our toxin load, including a little tip that he got from NASA, which is to increase the amount of plants, just regular house plants that you have in each room to help purify the air. Listen to today's podcast to get more of his simple hacks to reduce the toxins in your life. Welcome, Dr. O'Brien, to Why Did I Get Cancer? And I, I first, I met you about a month ago at the National Association of Nutrition Professionals Conference in San Diego. And I just was so impressed with your speech and I went up to you at lunch. I think I, you know, kind of jumped in your face and said, will you please come on my podcast? And you were so gracious and said, yes. So here we are. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's a real pleasure. I, I think um, a podcast like this is critically important for people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, one of the things that I was so intrigued by during your conference speech was that you really considered the Sherlock Holmes for chronic disease. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about how you achieved that distinction? Well, my first mentor was Dr. George Goodhart. My first mentor in healthcare was Dr. George Goodhart. Uh, he, he is the man who founded the diagnostic and treatment technique called applied kinesiology. And that's when you're doing muscle testing and looking for different answers. And we called him the Great Wazoo because we think he had a direct link to angels because he would, he would come up with things and we'd say, wow. We'd go out to dinner with Dr. Goodhart and uh, uh, someone would say, Dr. Goodhart, tell us about the waitress. Oh, she looks like a very lovely young lady. No, 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 no. Tell us about the waitress. Well, she likely has recurrent bladder infections. And we would just look and then look at the waitress. And then we would somehow in the conversation with the waitress, one of the docs would say, hi, you know, we're just a group of doctors. This is our mentor. He's really a very important person in our world. Uh, and we're all here to study from him. And um, how's your health? And she says, oh, my health is good. You know, I get a problem with bladder infections every once in a while. But aside from that, my health is good. And we just look a good heart. <laughs> oh, my and, gosh. And um, how did you know? How did you know that? And, you know, I was like 28, 29 at the time. And uh, uh, we called him the Great Wazoo. And uh, Dr. Goodhart uh, was just brilliant. I mean, the Pope sent his jet to Detroit to get Dr. Goodhart when he was sick. Uh, I mean, that kind of a guy. 
Wow, that's uh, a mentor to have. What, yes, a, what a blessing yes. that must have been for you and during your career. He used to say things like, the body is intricately simple and simply intricate. And so we would just, you know, I'd kind of tilt my head a little to the side and try to figure out what he was trying to say. And, and then, you know, he'd say, listen with ears that hear, with eyes that see. And at the time, I really didn't know what he was talking about until he'd explain what you see in a first appearance, like someone has diabetes, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, that's not the problem. But what you, you, you have to see, you, you look, and here's a patient with a diagnosis of diabetes, but that doesn't mean anything until you see what's underneath it, meaning how they live their lives, how they've really burnt out their blood sugar regulating system over years. And so we always were taught to ask why. And, and he would say, why, doctor? Does the patient have what they have? The diagnosis means nothing. It's just a name. Why do they have what they have? What's not working right in their body? And he would slam that foot down on the wood platform. Ooh. It would rock our world, you know. <laughs> but he drilled it into us. So that's where my inquisitive nature, I can give that a direct voice of gratitude to Dr. George mm -hmm. Goodhart. That, that, that was my early training. Why do people have what they have? Exactly. Uh, I've, I've been to a lot of doctors in the last two years because of having breast cancer in 2020. I don't think anybody ever asked me that question. Well, they're not trained to ask the question. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between traditional medicine and comprehensive, holistic, functional medicine. They're just not trained. You know, the dean of medicine gave the, at Stanford Medical School, gave the commencement speech a few years ago. And he got up there and it was such an important message that he delivered, they published it in the New England Journal of Medicine. And he said, you know, you are some of the best trained physicians in the world. Your knowledge is current with the best techniques, the best diagnostic equipment. We're very proud to send you out into the world. But we also have to apologize to you because you are not trained at all in what will be the primary manifestations in your office. And that is chronic disease. You are very well trained in the acute symptoms that someone comes in with so that you know what tests to run. You know how to address the symptoms as best as science knows today. But we have not trained you at all in what 80% of what comes into your office is going to be chronic inflammatory diseases and you are not trained at all. And that's the difference, that's why it's very important that you have a team of doctors that you work with. You have a gynecologist, you have an oncologist if necessary, you have a pediatrician for the family. You also need a functional medicine doctor as part of the team so that with the functional medicine doctor, it's not contrary to anything that you're being recommended by your experts. They, they go hand in hand. You know, whenever anyone comes into us, with high blood pressure 
and they're on high blood pressure medication, the first thing I tell them is, please call your cardiologist's office or the doctor who prescribed your medication to you and ask if you can come in every once in a while, how often would they want you to come in? Because you're going to change your lifestyle. You're going to change the environment that created the high blood pressure. And you need to take your medication right now, but as the need for the medication is reduced, someone has to monitor you so you take less medication or else your blood pressure can go too low and you can crash. So anytime you notice that you stand up and you get a little dizzy or woozy, your blood pressure is too low. So make sure that you're working with the doctor that prescribed the medication to monitor you as you're doing these programs that they were never trained in and they don't understand, but just to make sure you're safe in the amount of medication you're taking. And I use that as an example. That's across the board. It doesn't matter what medication you're taking. You're taking medication for symptoms. You're not correcting the underlying condition. And it's very important to take medication for symptoms so you can function properly. That's very important. But that's the difference. And so our doctors are not trained in asking why has this happened to you, unless they've gone through the functional medicine training or integrative medicine or one of the other more broad spectrum views of healthcare. Right. So so interesting, um, Stanford. You said the the president of um, the medical group at Stanford said eighty percent of your patients you're not trained to really help fix or heal. So how do well well excuse me that's not true about help okay they they are trained to help how are, we, how are they we trained don't, to help by medication uh, the, the, yes medication. they're trained to deal with the symptoms a person comes in with and that's really important right and to to recognize but they are not healthcare experts right they are crisis care experts and it, and the healthcare system needs to change i mean that's what my podcast is about is we have to ask why and I think doctors, in my experience, they maybe don't ask the question, why did this happen to you? Because A, they don't have enough time to discuss it with you. And B, they just don't have the training. Exactly. Exactly yes. right. Okay. So um, I am... I was blown away by your conversation at the nutrition conference on toxins. And I found this information on your website where you state that... The average person is exposed to more than 700,000 toxins in a day. And some experts place that number at over 2 million toxins in one day. So that would lead me to believe that toxins are really contributing to chronic illness. Well, that's a um, rational and accurate conclusion. Um, the incidence of autoimmune diseases is going up 4 to 9% every year, depending on what disease you're talking about. The incidence of diagnosis of Alzheimer's, this came from Blue Cross Blue Shield. They're scared. They're really scared because there was a 407% increase in diagnosis of Alzheimer's between 2013 and in 2017, that means in four years, there was a 407% increase in diagnosis of early Alzheimer's in 30 to 44-year-olds. 
that we, we have an epidemic right now that nobody knows about. Oh my gosh, what is going on? That is the million dollar question that is overwhelming for people when they start to get mm-hmm. the answer, because it's not one answer, there are multiple right. um, components to the answer. But the bottom line is an article came out in the journal Pediatrics, arguably the most important medical journal for children in the English language. And this was a Mm -hmm. policy statement by the board. This was not one doctor writing an opinion. This was the board of directors of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they said that the Toxic Substance Control Act that's the federal guidelines in regulating chemicals introduced to the environment, the TSCA failed miserably to protect our children. And then in parentheses, they said, and adults. Uh, But they were talking about children. Because, and the bottom line, it's 27 trillion pounds of chemicals introduced into the U.S., or manufactured in the U.S. every year. 27 trillion pounds. Now, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. You know, this is a number, oh, wow, wow, that's a big number, big deal. But I took 27 trillion, and I divided it by 365 days, and then I divided it by 340 million people, whatever the population is in the U.S., I don't remember now, but it's about that, And it's 247 pounds per person per day of chemicals that are imported or manufactured into the United States. And there is no regulation. The Toxic Substance Control Act, the the senators were paid off and the representatives were paid off by the industry to pass this legislation. And there was a big hullabaloo at the time, saying, you can't pass this. This has no teeth. This won't work. It won't work. Why? Because it clearly outlines what is required to ban a chemical. And what is required is that you have to show that the amount of chemical uh, the average human is exposed to in a day is toxic to them. There is no evidence in the world that the amount of phthalates, phthalates are chemicals used to mold plastic. They're also called plasticizers. And just Google phthalates and cancer to see the correlation. But there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leach into your food overnight in the refrigerator when you put leftover food in a plastic container There's no evidence that the chicken the next day that has a certain amount of phthalates in it now is toxic to humans. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leach into your bloodstream in four to five minutes when you put nail polish on, that the amount of phthalates is toxic to humans. There's no, it's not. But all of these minute exposures, there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates in the air in your child's bedroom 
that is leaching out from the plastic blinds on the windows or the plastic frame of the lamp on the nightstand. There's no evidence that the amount of phthalates in the air in your child's room is toxic to humans. There's no evidence. But people were screaming when this legislation was passed. You can't do this. You can't do this because it accumulates in the body. And it's the, give me a, give me a five-year-old girl that paints her 10 little fingers and 10 little toes with nail polish once a week and does it for 25 years. Now she's 25 to 30 years old. Now she gets pregnant and hopefully a healthy pregnancy and a healthy delivery. 2016, Chicago, 346 pregnant women in the eighth month of pregnancy, they collected the urine in the eighth month of pregnancy and tested the urine for phthalates in the urine. And they only looked at five phthalates. There are many more, but they only looked at five, including BPA, the one in plastic bottles and all that. And they divided the results into fourths, the lowest fourth, the next, the third, and the highest fourth. They followed the children of that of offspring, the offspring of these pregnancies. And when the children turned seven years old, they did Wexler IQ tests on the official IQ test. There's not much in medicine that's all or every. This was every, every child whose mother was in the highest quartile of phthalates and urine in pregnancy compared to the children born of the mothers in the lowest quartile of phthalates and urine in pregnancy. Every child in the highest quartile, their IQ was seven points lower. 6.7 to 7.4 points lower. Every single one of them. Now, that doesn't mean anything to anybody until you understand a one-point difference is noticeable. A seven-point difference is, is a difference between a child working really hard getting straight A's and a child working really hard getting straight C's. That this child doesn't have a chance in hell of ever excelling because their brain never developed properly. Now just go to Google and type in phthalates, and neurogenesis, nerve growth. Here come the studies that amounts of phthalates exposed to brain cells that are growing inhibit the growth of brain cells. So those moms that had accumulated lots of chemicals over the years, 20, 25 years, 30 years, they're the ones whose offspring suffered the most. And that's the Toxic Substance Control Act. And some people have already heard that when they check the blood, the umbilical cord blood at birth of a newborn baby, there's at least 280 chemicals there that are not supposed to be there, at least. And they spent $10,000 per test to do those tests. You know, and uh, if they had spent more, because it's not easy to look for tiny amounts of these chemicals, the thousands and thousands of chemicals we're exposed to, we would see it's much more than 280. Chemical. I mean, just one is dangerous to have. So then there's no correlation then, according to our government, that these, all of these chemicals that are in newborns um, keeps the brain from developing. These are not something to sound the alarm on. Well, but the legislation was passed that you have to prove they're not safe. And, you know, okay. that the amount that people are exposed to is not safe. And you can't do that. Of course, 
they're safe. They're so small, they don't have an impact. But but the right. but once they get into the bloodstream, your brains your, your your bloodstream is just a highway. There's lots of traffic mm-hmm. on the highway. It's all going the same direction, but it's like right. bumper cars in there. You know, bumper cars at the circus. You know, you drive them into. I remember my brother and I used to smash them into each other when we were kids. Your bloodstream is just like bumper cars all going in the same direction and bouncing into each other. But when the brain sees these chemicals, it says, get this stuff off the highway. Get it away from me. Mm-hmm. So where does it go? It goes into storage. Mm-hmm. It goes into the storage right. sites in your body. And the primary storage sites in the body are the fat cells. You don't get right. more fat cells after the age of two or three. They just get bigger or smaller. Mm-hmm. Well, what are they getting bigger with? Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And and when you do detox programs and people go into infrared saunas and you collect the sweat and you measure the sweat that's loaded with heavy metals and toxic chemicals that you— and I I shouldn't say loaded. That gives the impression that, you know, there's a lot of it at one time. No, there's just consistently amounts that are coming out Mm -hmm. as your fat cells are starting to sweat out some of this stuff. And so— that's what we're up against. And we've grown up in an era, you know, I'm sitting here looking at my computer and it's made of plastic and some metal, you know, so the plastic's outgassing. I'm looking at the stand for the light here uh, uh, for an interview and the stand's all made of hard plastic, you know, and I'm I'm looking at the um, uh, uh, nightstand tables Next to where the bed used to be, I kept the tables in here in my office. And this is not our home. We're renting this. And these are not solid wood. They're press board. And press board is soaked in formaldehyde. And so all of the furniture, all of the cabinets in your house, they're outgassing all the time, unless they're right. solid wood. Right. They're outgassing formaldehyde. Okay and flame retardant chemicals out of your sofa Mm -hmm. and flame retardant chemicals out of the comforter on your bed and the sheets, if they're not organic cotton, they're outgassing these chemicals that they were soaked in. Wash them 50 times and they still outgas these chemicals. Minute amounts. And the manufacturers say, well, there's no evidence that these are toxic to humans. And that's how they get away with this Mm -hmm. crap. And so we've grown mm-hmm. up in an era where we think it's okay to be exposed to small amounts of all this stuff because it's not toxic to humans. It's very toxic. It's, right. It's not toxic to humans. And, um, and because this law was passed, I think it also gives people maybe just a false sense of, well, it wouldn't be, these, these items wouldn't be used in our environment if, if they were they unsafe. Were unsa- so exactly, maybe- exactly. Well, right. here, here's an example right. of how unsafe they are. That Toxic Substance Control Act was passed in 1976. And it's still <laughs> the regulating guidelines for any chemicals introduced into the environment. And so many consumer groups have tried to get chemicals outlawed and banned. And it's almost impossible because of the legislation that was passed And they make sure, the Mm. chemical industry makes sure no one's ever going to introduce new legislation because they will shut that congressman down right away. They will shut them down because all this stuff is safe because you can't see it. Right. 
How bad could it right, be for right. you? Right. But yet, um, in a conversation I had with uh, Dr. Lee Aaron Keneally, one out of two men will have cancer in their lifetime and 41% of women. So if these aren't toxic, how are people getting exactly. so sick? Exactly. Let's take a big picture view for a minute if we can. The um, National Institute of Health tells us that 14 of the top 15 causes of death are chronic inflammatory diseases. The only one that's not is accidental injuries. Everything else that people die from is a chronic inflammatory disease. That means that when you, the listener, go down, whenever that is, at whatever age, it's gonna be from a chronic inflammatory disease. Meaning that that disease has been developing for many, many years. That inflammation, the inflammatory disease has been going on for many, many years. Now, here's how you understand this whole thing about cancer. If I pull at a chain, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. It can be at one end, it can be at the other end, it can be in the middle, wherever the weakest link is, that's where the chain's gonna break. Mm -hmm, it can right. be your heart, your lungs, your liver, your breasts, your brain, your joints, Wherever the weak link is, and that's determined, the weak link is determined by your genetics and by how you lived your life. You know, for example, if you eat tuna fish sandwiches two or three times a week, you got mercury poisoning. And mercury accumulates mm -hmm. in the brain, so the brain becomes a weak link. That's called the antecedents, how you've lived your life, which helps to determine where the weak link is going to be. Right? So right. it's genetics and antecedents that determine all of that. So you want to reduce your chance of cancer? Stop pulling on the chain so hard. What does that mean? Reduce the inflammation in your life. What does that mean? You have to find out where the inflammation triggers are coming from. Well, I don't have any inflammation. 14 out of the top 15 causes of death are inflammatory diseases. Are you different? You know, you, That's a miracle. That's right. That's right. I want to do what you're doing if you're different, right? That the only way to reduce risk, as far as I know, the, now this is a 30,000 foot view, but the only way is to reduce the triggers of inflammation in your life. And when you do that, what happens is your energy goes up. Your brain starts working better. You lose a few pounds. Your belt comes a notch tighter because you're losing inches around your waist. Your kidney starts working better. Your liver starts detoxing better. Your whole body starts functioning better as you reduce the inflammatory triggers. If you've been diagnosed with a chronic inflammatory disease like cancer, then you can't just do general, well, you know, I'll just reduce inflammation wherever I can. No, you are on a snowball going downhill really quick. You've already been diagnosed and I don't care if it's cancer, or it's diabetes, or it's uh, uh, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, or MS. Uh, you don't have the luxury to say, well, you know, wherever I can, I'll reduce my inflammation a little bit. You're going downhill fast, so fast that you've, you've caused so much damage, you've already been diagnosed with something. And you gotta understand that, well, I feel fine. Doesn't matter how you feel because we all adapt and try to be 
as vibrant as we can with the level of function our body gives us. You have no clue what being healthy is and how it feels to be healthy if you're diagnosed with a chronic inflammatory disease. You don't have a clue. And you don't have any basis by which to accept that. And so I may sound a little like a nutcase to you, but show me the science where I'm wrong. Right. And you can't. You can't. You can't, because I'm absolutely right about this. And I used to be kind of nice. I'm not nice anymore. Well, you're trying to help pe- people. Yeah, it's, people it's are dying. It's time to stop being nice. And yeah. we have, we're surrounded by toxins. It's not getting any better. And right. our body is basically a garbage dump. Exactly, exactly. If you're buying, if you're buying a wedding gift for a couple, young couple in your life, are you going to buy them something that's toxic? Are you going to buy them a set of bed sheets because it's on their list that's made of polyester or some other material and soaked in flame retardant chemicals? Or if they're if they're having a baby, are you going to buy toys that are just outgassing chemicals all the time? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to take the time to learn, what can I get for them that's non-toxic? Oh, silicone plates and silicone knife and spoon and cups, they don't leach toxins. Uh, So for baby equipment, silicone is much safer than plastic. Okay. Right? Are are you going to take the time to learn this? Or are Mm -hmm. you just going to give the nice young couple with a, a new baby something that poisons the baby a little bit more? Right. Because the baby's already born with more toxins in their system than babies from 20 years ago. Oh, my God. It is so bad. I mean, the, the numbers are terrifying. Uh, when I came into practice, one in 10,000 children were diagnosed with autism. One in 10,000. Now it's one out of 36. And mm. it's projected to get much worse in this next decade. Much, much worse. Some studies are saying one out of two boys uh, in, in the next 10 to 15 years. It's really bad right now. Wow. And it's because no generation, the moms, actually the mom's grandmother, so the young, young boys now that are three, four, five years old, their grandmother that is my age, her grandfather, didn't have as many toxins, but they started accumulating some of them, so they're sicker. They die earlier than their grandparents did. But my children, who are the moms and dads now, have been exposed to more toxins than ever before. And so we're seeing these 30 and 40-year-olds, men, whose sperm count is 30% of what the sperm count was uh, 30 years ago. It's a 30-30 concept. We're see- and the sperm counts are so low you worry about ex, um, uh, uh, extinction of a species when they get down into the 20% sperm range. And we're in the 30% now as a national average. Oh my gosh. Why is nobody sounding the alarm? Well, you know, we're trying. The, you know, the, the scientists that do all this wonderful research that shows us their hand, one hand is tied behind their back by the government because they passed mm-hmm. all this legislation that you can't say certain things. And if you want to be financed for your next study, mm-hmm. if you want to get some grants in order to do the work that you love to do and you're passionate about, you can't go too far out on a limb. Yeah, You can't. I mean, I'm considered a nutcase by many traditionalists because I'm just quoting the studies. 
Right. You know, I'm and, and I'm saying, wake up, people. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And well, it before also, it's too late. Right. And I think that something else that's impacting our health is censorship. That is so huge, especially in the last two years. It's un- unex- unacceptable. Um, un- just unacceptable what we've gone through in the last two years. There is a wonderful article, uh, PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D got, dot gov, PubMed.gov is the National Library of Congress. And it's where you have access to millions of research articles, millions. And if you go to PubMed.gov and you type in a search box, Russell Blaylock, B-L-A-Y-L-O-C-K, you'll see the articles that Dr. Blaylock has written. And his most recent one is a summary of the censorship of world-renowned researchers in the last two years on this topic that we all now are hearing and living through of this virus and the vaccinations. And Dr. Blaylock just shows you the science and shows you the studies and shows you the world-renowned leaders, top of their field, who are being Mm -hmm. censored from saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is a little Mm -hmm. too quick, this is a little too quick, wait a minute, we're gonna have Mm -hmm. problems here. So read Dr. Blaylock's article, PubMed.gov, Russell Blaylock, and it'll just startle you to see. Well, and I think, if anything, what I've learned in these last two years is do your own research, and you're probably going to have to do some real digging to try to get to the truth, because the truth just isn't floating around like it used to be. Well, that's, that's true, Deborah. but there is a danger because there's people out there who are paid by the industry to manipulate research and make results not hmm. what they really were, to hide things. And we've had congressmen who have tried to form committees to investigate the lies from the pharmaceutical industry, hmm. the lies from uh, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC. Congressmen, and you just go to YouTube and you see the videos of the congressmen before Congress saying, look, here's the evidence. Here are Here's a scientist from CDC who quit because he was being forced to lie and his results were taken off the final study where he showed the problems or the dangers. And they eliminated those results from the study. And uh, chronic inflammation is the fuel for every degenerative disease. I don't care if it's cancer or autoimmunity. It's chronic inflammation. So part of the protocol that you have to learn is how have I caused this inflammation in my life? Why do I have this? I don't feel like I'm inflamed. Doesn't matter how you feel, you obviously are because you've got a chronic Mm -hmm. inflammatory disease. So you obviously are. So now you start to explore, okay, how do I learn about inflammation and where it comes from? And you listen to shows like Deborah's, where she brings on experts to talk about this and you read my books and you understand about plastics and the, and you know, 60 to 65% of all Alzheimer's, and this is just science. Wow. 60 to 65% of all Alzheimer's is called inhalation Alzheimer's. It's what you're breathing that's caused the problem. 
When you learn that indoor air right. pollution is much more toxic than outdoor air pollution mm-hmm. in most areas of the country, you well, wait a minute, my, my air is not bad. It doesn't mm-hmm. smell bad in my house, but it's right. full of phthalates and plasticizers and uh, volatile organic compounds and all the cleaning supplies you use. Never, ever operate your dishwasher during the day. Never. Because you're putting those chemicals of the dishwashing liquid or the little pads in there, and the dishwasher is not airtight. It's watertight, but it's not airtight. So the fumes of these chemicals, when they get heated up, come out into the air. You're sucking these fumes that are cancer-causing and causing inflammation in your brain. So there, there are things you can do. Because exactly. at first blush of hearing all this, I think, oh my gosh. I mean, I remember at the at the conference you said, you know, be careful when you get the coffee to go and you put the plastic lid on top, the steam from the coffee goes up, hits the plastic, and you've got junk, crud falling back into your hot coffee or your hot tea. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is so simple. And there, there are solutions. Don't put the lid on. But the Deborah, coffee. but Deborah, Have there's De- but Deborah, there's no evidence. Yes. That the amount of phthalates that leach out of a coffee lid into the coffee that you consume is toxic to humans. Right. There's no evidence. Right. So, so this is what I often say to our two two adult children, twenty six and twenty eight. I know you guys think I'm crazy, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe I'm right. So let's hedge our bets and maybe just be a teeny tiny bit more aware and a little bit more careful in what we're doing. So don't run the dishwasher. I I didn't know that. That's blowing my mind. Or when you run your dishwasher, um, leave your windows open. Um, You had a great tip. um, I forget which book it was where you said, I mean, personally, I like the smell of gasoline, but that's the smell of benzene, right? That's right. Benzene is a brain toxin. Right. So instead of standing where you're standing when you're pumping gas, move a couple of inches away from right, the right. If Simple thing. Right. If, if you're standing there and you smell the gas, you're downwind. Move to the other right. side of the hose. Right. Now you're upwind. Right. Or walk away. Walk Put it away on automatic. completely. Right. So... I, I would love for you just... Now, wait, yeah. Deborah, Deborah, wait a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> so so somebody, somebody out there saying, oh, that's ridiculous. That's not going to make a difference, really? So if you fill your tank once a week and for two to three minutes, you're inhaling benzene. Mm-hmm. And when you see the studies that three seconds of inhaling benzene causes inflammation in the brain <gasps> and you're inhaling it for two to three oh minutes gosh. once a week and there's 52 weeks in a year... And oh give me gosh. 10 years, that's 520 times that you've inhaled benzene for two to three minutes. Do you get to the accumulative effect? Right. All right. of the little things you do accumulatively will benefit you. Exactly right. Exactly right. And let's, you know, for the naysayers who are listening, let's just compare it to something different. So you have a a, you know, a garage that's just packed to the rafters with with crud. And it looks overwhelming to clean it. But if you spend half an hour a day recycling things, throwing things out, within a couple of weeks, it's going to look a lot better. So can we that's do that? That's a really nice, okay. <laughs> that's a really, really nice analogy. A very nice, but I'm going to change it a okay. little bit. 
the subtitle of my book, uh, You Can Fix Your Brain, mm-hmm. and that book is all about what we're talking about today. And I just picked the brain. I could have said, you can fix your joints, mm-hmm. you can fix your cancer, mm-hmm. you can fix your skin. It doesn't matter. The concept's the same. But the subtitle of the book is The Secret to Success. Just one hour a week to the best memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. Because we're all so busy in life. But you tell your family, look, every Tuesday night after dinner, every Sunday after services, whenever it is, but every week, I'm going to take an hour to learn a little more about how we can be healthier. So don't bother me. And then you go back to my book and you look at the, because you remember I talked about glass storage containers instead of plastic in the kitchen. And you go to the three URLs, there was mileskimble.com and Amazon, and I remember the third one. And you say, oh, those are okay. Oh, I like those. And you order three round ones and two square ones and one for the pies and you pay with the credit card. Hit send. It took an hour, but you're done for the week. You're done. Because you never again will you poison your family with minute amounts of phthalates from storing leftover food in plastic containers. Exactly right. And then next week, you go back to the book about, because houseplants, NASA did the studies on houseplants because the astronauts were getting ding-dong up in space Mm. and they couldn't figure out why. And they realized it was the air. Oh. uh, That they, they were breathing the plasticizers and their brains were inflamed and they couldn't think straight. They had brain fog. And so they did the studies on houseplants. And if you have two six-inch houseplants in a 10-by-10 room, they absorb over 70% of the toxins in the air. The volatile organic compounds, the Mm -hmm. heavy metals, the phthalates, the the plasticizers, the flame-retardant chemicals. The plants absorb it, and at nighttime, the plants put more oxygen into the air. So you go to my website, thedr.com, thedoctor.com, just don't spell the word doctor out, Mm -hmm. thedr.com forward slash plants. Here's the handouts from NASA on what plants to get. And so you go buy, if you've got eight rooms in your house, you go buy 20 plants, uh, six-inch plants. You know, they're like three, four bucks a piece. It's not very much. And for people to say, oh, I don't have a green thumb, they're going to die. Then you buy more. You, buy, you get more. And so for people who say, okay, well, maybe, I'm, maybe I'll try a little bit. And maybe they don't want to invest in a, in a great air purifier that might cost three or $400. Fine. Go spend $25 getting, buying some yes. houseplants. And it's, yes. it's basically going to get you on the road to having cleaner air in your house which is going to get you on that road to lower levels of inflammation. Exactly. And your analogy of the garage full of clutter is great because our lifestyles are full of the clutter Mm -hmm. of what we thought was safe. And it's startling. It's overwhelming when you learn how unsafe it is. And that is the primary trigger, the environmental trigger. Mm-hmm. Now, the most common environmental trigger is what's on the end of your fork. Yes. So you have to learn as to what foods are bad for you, you personally, and what foods in general are bad. And I was just talking to my cousin today, whose mother, my aunt, is, has moderate Alzheimer's. She's in a home now. And my cousin says, I know I need to change. I need to do something. And... Uh, 
uh, her downfall is that she loves Diet Coke. And, and I said, you're my cousin. So I can talk to you not as a doctor, but as my cousin. I said, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> and we both, we both started laughing. She said, I know, I know. You know, but we have these lifestyle habits that we don't know are bad for us or we don't know how to break the habit. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so overwhelming and there's a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So true. That's why it's one hour a week, just one hour a week to clean the garage. And when you do that, within six months, you've dialed this down. You've lost some weight, your skin is radiant, you walk with more pep in your step, you see people at church you haven't seen in months. They say, wow, you look great. What happened to you? And, she, and you, all, all you can say is, I've learned how to live more of an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And that's a critical 101 concept, a basic concept when you've been diagnosed with cancer. You must reduce the inflammation with all the other therapies you might do, great um, uh, uh, comprehensive things you learn on this show. Maybe you're doing chemo or radio and you're doing some comprehensive things, but the basic, the 101 for every single person diagnosed with cancer, how do I live a less inflammatory lifestyle? And you don't learn that in a day you or don't. a week. It'll take you six months. Right. That's why it's one hour a week to learn just a little bit more every week. Great advice. And for especially for people who might feel a little overwhelmed, an hour is doable. You know, it, you're talking about bite sizes, literally on the end of your fork or, you know, houseplants in your house, bite sizes to reduce inflammation, which in the long run is going to reduce your risk of cancer, risk of diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis. Sounds like all chronic diseases. Deborah, Deborah, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Before, for your listeners. Okay. So you are an expert on triggers to cancer and what to do when you've been diagnosed with this. You're an expert. So I would ask you, what percentage of your cosmetics is organic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, uh, and, it, and it wasn't, I was aware I, I was aware of using more natural um, deodorants. and um, But when it came to sunscreens, I pulled out all the stops because I thought, well, I don't want to get wrinkles. I don't want to get skin cancer. So I was using the, sure. the heavy chemicals. Um, bugs love me. So, what about your shampoo? Yeah, what sure. about your shampoo? I, you've, you've got beautiful hair. So what about your shampoos? It's, it's just regular. Yeah, I, I'm still... So I'm still even, the, even the experts... Yeah, you're right. Even the world experts <laughs> yes. are not perfect. Yeah, we're not. We're not. And so, you know, you don't have to be perfect here. You just keep heading in the direction that you want to go. Okay. And you just take the baby steps. Excuse me, Deborah, for putting you on the spot. No, it actually makes me feel better because you're right. I'm not perfect. I want to reduce my inflammation because I don't want cancer again. Um, but I also like the way my hair looks. So maybe well, I can let's, cut someplace let's, else. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a look at um, if we knew the name of your, your shampoo, and then mm-hmm. we look at the list of ingredients in that, 
And then we just type in side effects of and whatever ingredient you put, you're going to see that cancer is there. Yeah. yeah. And you'll see that. And so I'm using Deborah as the example here because you keep working in the direction. That's right. Of cleaning it up, cleaning it up. But you've got, because she loves the way her hair looks. I like the way her hair looks too. <laughs> you know, I do. You know, you know but uh, there are natural, organic products that can do the job. Their gluten-free diets are not difficult. Mm -hmm. Trying to eat the same lifestyle with gluten-free instead of gluten products is difficult. Mm -hmm. You have to learn that gluten-free products are just crap. Yeah, They're white paste. They have no nutrient value whatsoever. Mm. Now, I'm going to have a gluten-free blueberry muffin once every couple of months, you know, as a treat. Who cares? And I have gluten-free pasta maybe once every two weeks or three weeks. I like the, I'm half Italian. I like the pasta mm -hmm. feeling. Who cares? Right. You don't have to be perfect, uh, but you, uh, as we teach people about gluten and the dangers of gluten, mm -hmm. we don't teach them about gluten-free products. Mm. We teach them about a lifestyle and a way of eating that's an anti-inflammatory yes. lifestyle. Yes. And bottom line you might feel initially that you're giving a little bit up, but if you keep that 30,000-foot perspective, you're gaining so much. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Tom O'Brien. Oh, my gosh. Mind officially blown um, in a really good way, not an inflammatory way. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. And I just, I have to tell you, I'll be totally honest. I feel a sense of relief after having this conversation because I know I don't have to be perfect to be better. Yes. And that was That's exactly that right. just felt like a, a massive get out of jail free card from you. So thank you. You're welcome, Deborah. <laughs> Remember, the body is intricately simple mm -hmm. and simply intricate. Mm. It always wants to be healthier. You just have to put more good guys around and inside than bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was this was amazing. I knew it would be. And um, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. I love my cell phone. I love my AirPods. I admit it. But what I don't love is the radiation and electromagnetic frequencies that are coming out of both of those things. So all of a sudden, I got this ad on Instagram about this product called WaveBlock. Honestly, it seemed too good to be true. So I called the owner. His name is Ben. And we had an amazing conversation about this product he created basically to protect his kids from EMFs that were coming out of cell phones and headphones and you name it. He explained the whole process to me, how he took it to Europe to get it tested and how it really can block the EMFs that are coming out of our devices. So I've got a great coupon code for all of our listeners today. Go to the WaveBlock website. It's in today's show notes. Use the code ENOS20 and you can get 20% off of his products. Two of the products that I'm currently using are his wraparound WaveBlock for my AirPods. And then I I also just got a new cell phone and he has a sticker that can go on the back of the cell phone 
that is also going to help to knock down the EMFs. It just gives me a little bit more comfort, I think, with using these items. Go to today's show notes to get your 20% off coupon for WaveBlock. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening.